Section 40 of the Journals of Robert Falcon Scott, Volume 1, by Robert Falcon Scott. This is a LibriVox recording. Section 40. Chapter 19. The Return from the Pole. Part 1. Friday, January the 19th. Lunch. 8.1. Temperature minus 22.6 degrees. Early in the march we picked up a Norwegian cairn and our outward tracks. We followed these to the ominous black flag, which had first apprised us of our predecessor's success. We have picked this flag up, using the staff for our sail, and are now camped about one and a half miles back on our tracks. So that is the last of the Norwegians for the present. The surface undulates considerably about this latitude. It is more evident to-day than when we were outward bound. Night camp. Return to. Height 9,700. Temperature minus 18.5 degrees. Minimum minus 25.6 degrees. Came along well this afternoon for three hours. Then a rather dreary finish for the last one and a half. Weather very curious. Snow clouds looking very dense and spoiling the light pass overhead from the south dropping very minute crystals. Between showers the sun shows, and the wind goes to the southwest. The fine crystals absolutely spoil the surface. We had heavy dragging during the last hour, in spite of the light load and a full sail. Our old tracks are drifted up, deep in places, and tooths of strugi have formed over them. It looks as though this sandy snow was drifted about like sand from place to place, how account for the present state of our three-day-old tracks and the month-old ones of the Norwegians? It is warmer and pleasanter, marching with the wind, but I'm not sure we don't feel the cold more when we stop and camp than we did on the upward march. We pick up our cairns easily, and ought to do so right through, I think. But, of course, one will be a bit anxious till the three-degree depot is reached— I'm afraid the return journey is going to be dreadfully tiring and monotonous. Saturday, January the 20th. Lunch camp, 9,810. We have come along very well this morning, although the surface was terribly bad. 9.3 miles in 5 hours 20 minutes. This has brought us to our southern depot, and we pick up four days' food. We carry on seven days from tonight, with fifty-five miles to go to the half-degree depot made on January the 10th. The same sort of weather, and a little more wind, sail drawing well. Night camp, return three, 9,860, temperature minus 18 degrees. It was blowing quite hard and drifting when we started our afternoon march. At first with full sail we went along at a great rate. Then we got on to an extraordinary surface the drifting snow lying in heaps. It clung to the ski, which could only be pushed forward with an effort. The pulling was really awful, but we went steadily on and camped a short way beyond our cairn of the 14th. I am afraid we are in for a bad pull again tomorrow. Luckily, the wind holds. I shall be very glad when Bowers gets his ski. I am afraid he must find these long marches very trying with short legs. But he is an undefeated little sportsman. I think Oates is feeling the cold and fatigue more than most of us. It is blowing pretty hard tonight, but with a good march we have earned one good hooch, and are very comfortable in the tent. 
It is everything now to keep up a good marching pace. I trust we shall be able to do so, and catch the ship. Total march eighteen and a half miles. Sunday, January the 21st, return for 10,010 feet. Temperature, blizzard, minus 18 to minus 11 degrees, to minus 14 degrees now. Awoke to a stiff blizzard, air very thick with snow and sun very dim. We decided not to march owing to the likelihood of losing track. Expected at least a day of lay-up, but whilst at lunch there was a sudden clearance and wind dropped to light breeze. We got ready to march, but gear was so iced up we did not get away till 3.45. Marched till 7.40. Terribly weary four-hour drag. Even with helping wind we only did five and a half miles. Six and a quarter, statute. The surface bad, horribly bad, on new Sestrugi, and decidedly rising again in elevation. We are going to have a pretty hard time this next hundred miles, I expect. If it was difficult to drag downhill over this belt, it will probably be a good deal more difficult to drag up. Luckily the cracks are fairly distinct, though we only see our cairns when less than a mile away. Forty-five miles to the next depot, and six days' food in hand. Then pick up seven days' food, temperature minus twenty-two degrees, and ninety miles to go to the three-degree depot. Once there we ought to be safe, but we ought to have a day or two in hand on arrival, and may have difficulty with following the tracks. However, if we can get a rating site for our watches to-morrow, we shall be independent of the tracks at a pinch. Monday, January the 22nd, 10,000. Temperature minus 21. I think about the most tiring march we have had. Solid pulling the whole way in spite of the light sledge and some little helping wind at first. Then, in the last part of the afternoon, the sun came out, and almost immediately we had the whole surface covered with soft snow. We got away sharp at eight and marched a solid nine hours, and thus we have covered 14.5 miles, geographical. But, by Jove, it has been a grind. We are just about on the 89th parallel. Tonight Bowers got a rating site, I'm afraid we have passed out of the wind area. We are within two and a half miles of the 64th Camp Cairn, 30 miles from our depot, and with five days' food in hand. Ski boots are beginning to show signs of wear. I trust we shall have no giving out of ski or boots, since there are yet so many miles to go. I thought we were climbing today, but the barometer gives no change. Tuesday, January the 23rd. Lowest minimum last night, minus 30 degrees. Temperature at start, minus 28 degrees. Lunch height, 10,100. Temperature with wind, 6 to 7, minus 19 degrees. Little wind and heavy marching at start. Then wind increased, and we did 8.7 miles by lunch, when it was practically blowing a blizzard. The old tracks show so remarkably well that we can follow them without much difficulty. A great piece of luck. In the afternoon we had to reorganise. Could carry a whole sail. Bowers hung on to the sledge. Evans and Oates had to lengthen out. We came along at a great rate, and should have got within an easy march of our depot, had not Wilson suddenly discovered that Evans's nose was frostbitten. It was white and hard. We thought it best to camp at 6.45, got the tent up with some difficulty, 
and are now pretty cosy after good hooch. There is no doubt Evans is a good deal run down. His fingers are badly blistered, and his nose is rather seriously congested, with frequent frostbites. He is very much annoyed with himself, which is not a good sign. I think Wilson, Bowers, and I are as fit as possible under the circumstances. Oates gets cold feet. One way or another I shall be glad to get off the summit. We are only about thirteen miles from our degree-and-half depot, and should get there to-morrow. The weather seems to be breaking up. Pray God we have something of a track to follow to three-degree depot. Once we pick that up we ought to be right. Wednesday, January the 24th. Lunch. Temperature minus eight degrees. Things beginning to look a little serious. A strong wind at the start has developed with a full blizzard at lunch, and we have had to get into our sleeping bags. It was a bad march, but we covered seven miles. At first Evans and then Wilson went ahead to scout for tracks. Bowers guided the sledge alone for the first hour. Then both Oates and he remained alongside it. They had a fearful time trying to make the pace between the soft patches. At twelve-thirty the sun coming ahead made it impossible to see the tracks further, and we had to stop. By this time the gale was at its height, and we had the dickens of a time getting up the tent, cold fingers all round. We are only seven miles from our depot, but I made sure we should be there to-night. This is the second full gale since we left the pole. I don't like the look of it. Is the weather breaking up? If so, God help us, with the tremendous summit journey and scant food. Wilson and Bowers are my standby. I don't like the easy way in which Oates and Evans get frostbitten. Thursday, January the 25th. Temperature lunch, minus 11 degrees. Temperature night, minus 16 degrees. Thank God we found our half-degree depot. After lying in our bags yesterday afternoon and all night we debated breakfast, decided to have it later and go without lunch. At the time the gales seemed as bad as ever, but during breakfast the sun showed, and there was light enough to see the old track. It was a long and terribly cold job, digging out our sledge and breaking camp, but we got through, and on the march without sail or pulling. This was about eleven, and at about two-thirty to our joy we saw the red depot flag, we had lunch and left with nine and a half days' provisions, still following the track, marched till eight and covered over five miles, over twelve in the day. Only eighty-nine miles, geographical, to the next depot. But it's time we cleared off this plateau. We are not without ailments. Oates suffers from a very cold foot. Evans's fingers and nose are in a bad state, and to-night Wilson is suffering tortures from his eyes. Bowers and I are the only members of the party without troubles just at present. The weather still looks unsettled, and I fear a succession of blizzards at this time of year. The wind is strong from the south, and this afternoon has been very helpful with the full sail. Needless to say, I shall sleep much better with our provision bag full again. The only real anxiety now is the finding of the three-degree depot. The tracks seem as good as ever so far. Sometimes for thirty or forty yards we lose them under drifts, but then they reappear quite clearly, raised above the surface. If the light is good, there is not the least difficulty in following. Blizzards are our bugbear. 
not only stopping our marches, but the cold, damp air takes it out of us. Bower's got another rating sight to-night. It was wonderful how he managed to observe in such a horribly cold wind. He has been on ski to-day whilst Wilson walked by the sledge, or pulled ahead of it. Friday, January the 26th. Temperature minus 17 degrees. Height 9,700. Must be high barometer. Started late, 8.50. For no reason, as I called the hands rather early. We must have fewer delays. There was a good stiff breeze and plenty of drift, but the tracks held. To our old blizzard camp of the 7th we got on well, seven miles. But beyond the camp we found the tracks completely wiped out. We searched for some time, then marched on a short way and lunched. The weather gradually clearing, though the wind holding. Knowing there were two cairns at four-mile intervals, we had little anxiety till we picked up the first far to our right, then steering right by a stroke of fortune, and Bowers's sharp eyes caught a glimpse of the second far on the left. Evidently we made a bad course outward at this part. There is not a sign of our tracks between these cairns. But the last, marking our night camp of the sixth, number fifty-nine, is in the belt of hard sastrugi, and I was comforted to see signs of the track reappearing as we camped. I hope to goodness we can follow it to-morrow. We marched sixteen miles, geographical, to-day, but made good only fifteen point four. Saturday, January the twenty-seventh, return ten, temperature minus sixteen degrees, lunch, minus fourteen point three degrees, evening, minimum minus nineteen degrees, height, nine thousand nine hundred barometer low question mark called the hands half an hour late but we got away in good time the forenoon march was over the belt of storm-tossed sastrugi it looked like a rough sea wilson and i pulled in front on ski the remainder on foot it was very tricky work following the track which pretty constantly disappeared and in fact only showed itself by faint signs anywhere a foot or two of raised sledge-track, a dozen yards of the trail of the sledge-meter wheel, or a spatter of hard snowflakes where feet had trodden. Sometimes none of these were distinct, but one got an impression of lines which guided. The trouble was that on the outward track one had to shape course constantly to avoid the heaviest mounds, and consequently there are many zigzags. We lost a good deal over a mile by these halts, in which we unharnessed and went on the search for signs. However, by hook or crook, we managed to stick on the old track, came on the cairn quite suddenly, marched past it, and camped for lunch at seven miles. In the afternoon the sastrugi gradually diminished in size, and now we are on fairly level ground to-day, the obstruction practically at an end, and, to our joy, the tracks showing up much plainer again. For the last two hours we have had no difficulty at all in following them. There has been a nice, helpful, southerly breeze all day, a clear sky, and comparatively warm temperature. The air is dry again, so that tents and equipment are gradually losing their icy condition, imposed by the blizzard conditions of the past week. Our sleeping bags are slowly but surely getting wetter, and I am afraid it will take a lot of this weather to put them right. However, we all sleep well enough in them, the hours allowed being now on the short side. We are slowly getting more hungry, 
and it would be an advantage to have a little more food, especially for lunch. If we get to the next depot in a few marches, it is now less than sixty miles and we have a full week's food, we ought to be able to open out a little. But we can't look for a real feed till we get to the pony food depot. A long way to go. And, by Jove, this is tremendous labour. Sunday, January the 28th, lunch, minus 20 degrees, height, night, 10,130, return 11. Supper temperature, minus 18 degrees. Little wind and heavy going in forenoon. We just ran out eight miles in five hours, and added another eight in three hours forty minutes in the afternoon, with a good wind and better surface. It is very difficult to say if we are going up or downhill. The barometer is quite different from outward readings. We are forty-three miles from the depot, with six days' food in hand. We are camped opposite our lunch cairn of the fourth, only half a day's march from the point at which the last supporting party left us. Three articles were dropped on our outward march, Oates's pipe, Bowers's fur mitts, and Evans's night boots. We picked up the boots and mitts on the track, and to-night we found the pipe lying placidly in sight on the snow. The sledge-tracks were very easy to follow to-day. They are becoming more and more raised, giving a good lined shadow, often visible half a mile ahead. If this goes on and the weather holds, we shall get our depot without trouble. I shall indeed be glad to get it on the sledge. We are getting more hungry, there is no doubt. The lunch-meal is beginning to seem inadequate. We are pretty thin, especially Evans, but none of us are feeling worked out. I doubt if we could drag heavy loads, but we can keep going well with our light one. We talk of food a good deal more, and shall be glad to open out on it. Monday, January the 29th, return 12. Lunch temperature minus 23 degrees. Supper temperature minus 25 degrees. Height 10,000. Excellent march of 19.5 miles, 10.5 before lunch. Wind helping greatly, considerable drift. Tracks, for the most part, very plain. Sometime before lunch we picked up the return track of the supporting party, so that there are now three distinct sledge impressions. We are only twenty-four miles from our depot, an easy day and a half. Given a fine day to-morrow, we ought to get it without difficulty. The wind and Sustrugi are south-south-east and south-east. If the weather holds, we ought to do the rest of the inland ice journey in little over a week. The surface is very much altered since we passed out. The loose snow has been swept into heaps, hard and wind-tossed. The rest has a glazed appearance, the loose drifting snow no doubt acting on it, polishing it like a sandblast. The sledge, with our good wind behind, runs splendidly on it. It is all soft and sandy beneath the glaze. We are certainly getting hungrier every day. The day after tomorrow we should be able to increase allowances. It is monotonous work, but, thank God, the miles are coming fast at last. We ought not to be delayed much now, with the downgrade in front of us. Tuesday, January the 30th, return 13, 9,860. Lunch temperature minus 25 degrees. Supper temperature, minus 24.5 degrees. Thank the Lord, another fine march, 19 miles. We have passed the last cairn before the depot. 
the track is clear ahead, the weather fair, the wind helpful, the gradient down. With any luck we should pick up our depot in the middle of the morning march. This is the bright side. The reverse of the medal is serious. Wilson has strained a tendon in his leg. It has given pain all day, and is swollen to-night. Of course he is full of pluck over it, but I don't like the idea of such an accident here. To add to the trouble, Evans has dislodged two fingernails to-night. His hands are really bad, and to my surprise he shows signs of losing heart over it. He hasn't been cheerful since the accident. The wind shifted from south-east to south and back again all day, but luckily it keeps strong. We can get along with bad fingers, but it will be a mighty serious thing if Wilson's leg doesn't improve. Wednesday, January the 31st, 9,800. Lunch temperature minus 20 degrees, supper temperature minus 20 degrees. The day opened fine with a fair breeze. We marched on the depot, picked it up, and lunched an hour later. In the afternoon the surface became fearfully bad. The wind dropped to light southerly air. Ill luck that this should happen, just when we have only four men to pull. Wilson rested his leg as much as possible by walking quietly beside the sledge. The result has been good, and to-night there is much less inflammation. I hope he will be all right again soon, but it is trying to have an injured limb in the party. I see we had a very heavy surface here on our outward march. There is no doubt we are travelling over undulations, but the inequality of level does not make a great difference to our pace. It is the sandy crystals that hold us up. There has been very great alteration of the surface since we were last here. The sledge tracks stand high. This afternoon we picked up Bowers's ski. The last thing we have to find on the summit, thank heaven. Now we have only to go north, and so shall welcome strong winds. Thursday, February the 1st, return 15, 9,778. Lunch temperature minus 20 degrees, supper temperature minus 19.8 degrees. Heavy collar work most of the day. Wind light. Did eight miles, four and three-quarter hours. Started well in the afternoon and came down a steep slope in quick time. Then the surface turned real bad. Sandy drifts. Very heavy pulling. Worked on past 8 p.m. We just fetched a lunch can of December the 29th, when we were only a week out from the depot. It ought to be easy to get in with a margin, having eight days' food in hand, full feeding. We have opened out on the one-seventh increase, and it makes a lot of difference. Wilson's leg much better. Evans's fingers now very bad, two nails coming off, blisters burst. Friday, February the 2nd, 9,340, return 16. Temperature, lunch, minus 19 degrees, supper, minus 17 degrees. We started well on a strong southerly wind. Soon got to a steep grade, when the sledge overran and upset us one after another. We got off our ski and pulled on foot, reeled off nine miles by lunch at one thirty. Started in the afternoon on foot, going very strong. We noticed a curious circumstance towards the end of the forenoon. The tracks were drifted over, but the drifts formed a sort of causeway along which we pulled. In the afternoon we soon came to a steep slope, the same on which we exchanged sledges on December the 28th. 
all went well till, in trying to keep the track at the same time as my feet, on a very slippery surface, I came to an awful perler on my shoulder. It is horribly sore to-night, and another sick person added to our tent. Three out of five injured, and the most troublesome surfaces to come. We shall be lucky if we get through without serious injury. Wilson's leg is better, but might easily get bad again, and Evans's fingers. At the bottom of the slope this afternoon we came on a confused sea of sastrugi. We lost the track. Later, on soft snow, we picked up E. Evans's return track, which we are now following. We have managed to get off seventeen miles. The extra food is certainly helping us, but we are getting pretty hungry. The weather is already a trifle warmer, and the altitude lower, and only eighty miles or so to Mount Darwin. It is time we were off the summit. Pray God, another four days will see us pretty well clear of it. Our bags are getting very wet, and we ought to have more sleep. End of chapter 19, part 1